We've reached episode 100. You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this marketing-focused podcast, and this is our 100th episode. Mad. Now, in those 100 episodes, we have run 23 e-commerce marketing masterclasses, including Facebook ads, Google ads, SEO, email, affiliates, influencers, even offline marketing and CRO and several others as well. We've created two Black Friday tips episodes. We've featured the expertise of over 100 e-commerce marketing experts. Now, if you're trying to work out the maths on that, that's because the Black Friday episodes have multiple guests. Um, I've hosted over 15 live Q&A webinars where you got to ask your questions of our guests. I've helped thousands of e-commerce marketers improve their performance. And we've been listened to by you lot over 45,000 times. To celebrate this, I'm doing something a little different for episode 100. It's just going to be me. There's no guest. Because throughout my career, I've always been focused on helping e-commerce business owners and marketers to solve their problems. Whether that was when I was an employee, the 10 years I spent running a marketing agency, the little bits of consulting I used to do, or now via my books, talks and podcasts. So over the last few weeks, I've been asking you to share your biggest marketing problem with me. And in this episode, I'm going to answer them for you. Some of the questions are from our listeners. Some are from past guests. We've even got a question from Meta, as in Facebook. And all of them have made me think about the best way to get the answers across to you. Now, we had far more questions submitted than I can manage to fit into this episode. And I have a feeling it's going to turn out to be a bit of a long one anyway with what I've managed to cut it back to. Because I've picked out the questions that I think will help the majority of you. So, so anything that was very niche or niche, I have left out. And I've picked the things which I know over the years, people have asked me again and again. And these are things which I'm getting asked at the moment. So I think these are the ones that are going to help you, whoever you are out there listening. I think they're going to help you because um, that's why I've selected them. And I should say, if you sent us in a question and your question hasn't been answered, do not worry. I will get back to you personally with an answer to your question. I probably may well have done it already, in fact. So get ready to find out the answers to the hottest questions in e-commerce marketing right now. Topics which are going to include allocating marketing budget, dealing with the recession, creating single product sales funnels, sustainability, video, overseas expansion, you name it, it's coming up. Some of the questions, the answers even are a little bit long. Some of them are really short and bitey because what I've tried to do in pulling all this together is to make it to the point uh, to get rid of the faff and the fluff and to really give you what you need. So hopefully not too much waffle, but we'll see how we go. Now, whatever stage you're at in your e-commerce journey, the following insight is going to help you succeed this year. We're going to get to the first question in about 60 seconds. First, though, please do check out our lovely sponsors, Clavio, who've been with us from the beginning, right from episode one. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the email and SMS platform built just for e-commerce brands. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Clavio comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online online store and tech stack. Request a demo at clavio.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, let's get on with some questions. I'm going to start with the more practical, tactical questions. Then I'm going to go to the more strategic pieces. So how should you be changing your marketing in light of the current economic climate? My predictions for Q4. And we're going to end on a question about sustainability. I've got nine questions to answer in total. So like I said, the aim is for me to just give you the stuff you need to know and to not waffle. So this is going to be fairly fast and furious. 
Question one. This comes from Michael Ballard, the UK manager for Lulu Dolls. So thanks, Michael, for for giving us this one. And the question is, is performance marketing cost inflation here to stay? For example, Facebook and Google ads. So that's the ever increasing cost per click or cost per million on Facebook and Google ads. Well, the short answer to this is yes, but to give you a slightly longer answer to why those costs are going to keep going up is really why they're going to keep going up. First of all, this cost inflation has been going on for decades. Uh, Every year, these costs go up pretty much. um, So there's no reason to think anything's going to change to stop that from happening. Secondly, the cost of these ads is in large part down to demand and supply. So the more people who want to advertise, if the amount of space for them to advertise in doesn't go up, then the price will go up because there's more people fighting for it. They're all done in an auction scenario. Admittedly, Facebook and Google are in charge of those auctions. Insert conspiracy theory here. But the key thing about knowing it's down to demand and supply is demand is not going to drop off. We have more competition now than we've ever had before online from other e-commerce brands and from other sectors. But yet I still jump and I still see and speak to so many brands who are not yet doing Google, who are not yet doing Facebook ads. So there's still an awful lot of people not yet using these platforms. So I don't think the demand's going to drop off anytime soon. And then on the supply side, it's not in the interest of the ad platforms to create more supply than the market can handle. It's just not worth doing it. There's no point in them doing it. So they're not going to increase supply. So I think they're only going to go up. What that means is that you've just got to keep optimising, every pun intended. You've got to keep optimising to take as much control as you can of your own ad spend and ad performance. Our last but one masterclass was five episodes on the latest Google ad strategy. So that's well worth a look if you're looking to improve your profitability on Google ads. And then next month, we're about to do five episodes on Facebook ads. That's going to give you the latest strategies and advice on improving your performance on Facebook ads. So there's plenty right here on this podcast to help you mitigate the ever increasing CPCs and CPMs. Basically, keep optimising, keep improving and don't get too hung up on those increasing CPCs and CPMs. Get hung up on improving your performance on those platforms. Okay, question number two. This one's from Roger Knight, who's a website developer at Attract More. And Roger asks, what factors should a business owner take into account when deciding how much to invest in SEO versus Google ads? Now, this is a question I hear quite often. In my opinion, it's the wrong question to ask because these are two very, very different strategies. Yes, they both bring you traffic from the Google search engine, but they are very, very different things to do. SEO is an investment which ain't going to pay off this week. It's probably not going to pay off this month. Uh, Google ads, you should, once you've got it optimised, see it paying off basically immediately. Someone clicks and then they buy. So the two very different strategies, they sit in different places in in your marketing mix. So I think really we're talking about two questions here. First off, how much should you invest in your SEO? The first question for that is on the long term side of things, it's not going to pay off this week. It's not going to pay off this month. If you're just starting off, it may not pay off this year. Can you afford to invest in it right now? And can you afford to invest enough that it's actually going to bring a result for you in the short term? Scary question, that one. Um, Now, where are you? That's the other thing to consider. What state is your business in in relation to SEO? Technical SEO is your website set up well to get the maximum benefit from your SEO activity. Site authority. Is your site authority good or bad? Are you likely to rank well if you start getting your keywords right on the website? And that's the third part of where are you? Your keywords. Do you know what the keywords are you should be going after and have you put them in place in the right places on your website? Those are the three pillars of SEO. They've been the three pillars of SEO for a decade or more. So technical SEO, site authority, keywords. Now, if you're going, I have no idea how I'm doing on those. That's totally fine. Totally understandable. The thing you need to do then is to go and get someone who understands these things to do an audit of your website. Now, 
or sorry, an audit of your SEO performance. Now, an SEO audit can cost anything from £100 to £10,000. So find the one that fits your budget and start there. Anyone who wants some pointers, feel free to get in contact and I'll do my best to help you. Um, Once you know that, you get some idea of how, therefore, you have an opportunity to make progress. There may be some quick wins, some easy things you can do. If your technical SEO is shot, but your site authority is great, you may be able to quickly fix some things and up your traffic volumes. If your site authority and your technical SEO are pretty good and your keywords are awful, that might give you a quick win. But until you've done that, you have no idea how much it's going to be worth you investing in SEO. Then the second part of Roger's question, how much should you invest in PPC, so Google Ads? Um, Well, first off, if you're already doing Google Ads, what are the numbers telling you? That's where the answer is. What are the campaigns that are bringing you in results you're happy with? How much are they going to cost you to run to get the maximum return you can from them? Um, And how much money do you want for testing? That's the starting point if you are already doing Google ads is go back to your numbers and see how much money you can spend on Google and then how much money you want to spend on Google comes into that equation. If you've not yet done Google ads, then the first thing to do is go and create yourself a Google ads account. Use the keyword tool to see how much competition there is on your likely keywords and the likely cost of traffic. From that, you can see is there a good opportunity for you here? then I strongly recommend you pay someone else to set it up and train you on how to optimise. It is a confusing old platform and it will save you a huge amount of money in the short term and the long term if you get someone to help you with those steps. And then you need to have probably about £1,000 a month minimum to make your testing worthwhile. And you need to be able to spend that for about three months and be able to lose it as you go through that testing process. It's not as quick a process as it can be on Facebook ads. So that's how much to invest in PPC. I know I'm not giving you a number because all your businesses are different. Other things, what's the likelihood of success for you on getting your visibility on the Google um, search engine? The competitiveness of terms and the fit of those terms to your business. For example, if you're a jewellery business and you sell, say, sell silver jewellery, go and Google silver jewellery. Is your customer looking for you necessarily when they Google silver jewellery? Or are they looking for, for some Celtic jewellery? Are they looking for some amber jewellery? Are they looking for something else? You're highly unlikely on silver jewellery, or the percentage of people searching silver jewellery who want your jewellery is going to be pretty low. Jewellery is notoriously difficult to make work on Google Ads. And it's also very hard to rank number one for silver jewellery. So you'll be looking at more uh, long tail, longer keywords. So amber jewellery handmade in the UK or something. The traffic volumes on those are very low. Therefore, is it worth doing it? Quite possibly not. So look at that. Are you likely to get success on these channels? And then also factor in how much time it's going to take you to manage it, to learn it, to do it. Last week, we had one of our live expert Q&A sessions, which was on SEO. So I asked them this very question, how do you work out how to balance your budgets between pay-per-click and SEO? Uh, You can find the replay of that at keepopt.com forward slash SEO. That's K-E-E-P-O-P-T dot com forward slash SEO for some more insight on that very question. So question number three, Uh, This is from Rob Harriston Plasto from Moonface Studio and Time Agency. He is just been a guest on on our sister podcast, E-Commerce Master Plan, talking about his e-commerce business. And he's coming up very, very soon talking about Facebook ads on this very podcast. Uh, His question is, any top tips for making video ads? Uh, I know that should be high on all your to-do lists at the moment. So let me quickly run through... This is going to be a bit bullet pointy because I am not a video ad specialist and I will also give you some places you can find out even more about video ads. But let me give you the key stuff. This is the basics you need to know before you get get going out with the camera to try and create some awesome video ads. Number one, your message is more important than the quality of the video. Okay, So don't think you've got to go and spend thousands of pounds on equipment or videographers on day one. You don't. It's actually the more organic feel videos, the ones that could have been taken by a five-year-old. Those often have the most resonance with people because they're looking for the the more reality, the less shiny piece on social media. 
So to get your message right and to plan out what your video is going to be about, you need to start by working out where in the sales funnel is this fitting? Is this the first video they're going to see about you or is this something you're going to be putting in front of people who've already bought to get them to come back and buy a different product? What's the role of the video? Is it about gathering people's attention so you can send them another ad later? Or is it about getting them through to the website to make that that buying decision because they've been there three times already and they just haven't yet checked out? How you structure the content you put in the videos can be very different for those two scenarios. What's the call to action? How does the copy of whatever ad or whatever you're putting the video fit around the video? How do they support each other? Uh, what sort of video is it? Is it going to be a founder story video, a user-generated content video? Is it going to be a pain point fixed video? Is it going to be about features and benefits? Is it a how-to video? There are many other formats, but which one is going to fit with all the rest of what that video is going to do for you? Secondly, you must add captions. Loads of people do not have the sound on. So if you've got a really brilliant voiceover, it's wasted on probably 50% plus of your audience. So make sure you've added in the captions. UGC is awesome. User-generated content is brilliant. Okay, that's reviews, customer reviews, influencer videos, etc. Awesome. Be aware of recommended video lengths, formats, etc. on whatever platform you're planning on putting it on before you start making it. Landscape versus vertical, really important one to have, have sorted out as well as length. Um, number five, optimization. Once you've got that video up and running and you're trying it, a quick and easy way rather than shooting an entirely new video to work out how you can improve the performance is just to tweak the intros and the outros. Often these might be a static image you've added into the video. So really easy to change. That can be a lot easier than creating a whole new video. And then some easy ways, super lazy, but powerful ways to create these videos, get your customers to do it for you. Uh, that's taking user-generated content to the maximum. Um, and secondly, TikTok creators. Get a TikTok creator to do it because most of um, a lot of what I'm hearing from Facebook ad videos is the best performing videos are often the ones that were made for TikTok. So a lot of people are getting TikTok creators to make a video, then using it in an ad on Facebook. Mind bending, I know. So how can you, I said I'd give you some ways you can find out more about this. On this podcast, in episode 33, Lauren Schwartz did an excellent episode on creating Facebook video ads. We've also had two um, authors of brilliant books on video marketing that go through all the detail, equipment, the lot. Uh, most recently, we had John Mowat on in episode 76. He's the author of Video Marketing. And we also had, this was on our sister podcast, episode 245, we had Rick Cesari, the man behind the George Foreman grill, oh yes, an author of the book Video Persuasion. Both, if you're going to get into video marketing, I would read both those books, listen to both those, those interviews, because those two guys between them would be like the most amazing video marketing dream team. And as I mentioned um, earlier, our next month-long masterclass is all about Facebook ads and there's lots of video tips in there, uh, including a whole episode on founder story ads. Question four. This is from Tor Eric Sombi of tundradrone.com and Tor, if I pronounce your name wrong, huge apologies. Tor asks, how to build a funnel for a niche product sold on an e-commerce store? Do you have a blueprint that describes what actions a business should take in every step of the customer journey? So I'm going to take a rough guess that Tor's interested in this for his own product, which is the world's brightest auto moving drone light, which has a starting price of almost 10,000 Swedish kroner, which means it's around 800 pounds, 950 euros or a thousand dollars. So it's a high price point item. So I give you that because there is no perfect blueprint for this sort of thing. You can't just go and get a blueprint and run it and all of a sudden it's going to work because that's just, it changes so much between different products and different um, audiences and so forth. So I'm telling you about his product because I'm going to give you an idea of how this should work for Tor's product. So niche, high price point, what would I do? Well, I'm going to assume that Tor's got a good idea of his target market. 
And so that bit of work's been done. If you don't have that, do that first. Um, And then this is what I would do. One, I would make sure the website was ready to help that target audience convert. FAQs, great product pages that talk about pains and benefits and story and so forth. Uh, Check out working well, good solid homepage that gets across the key message in your face UGC to make it super easy for someone to know, yes, I'm in the right place. I understand how to buy. Secondly, I would, because I would do this probably for any product, but because this is high ticket complicated, I would 100% make sure I had a pop-up email capture that took people into a short quiz, possibly only one question. That might be about how how long you've been driving drones, what sort of drone you've already got, what sort of um, sector you're working in uh, for, for using this type of drone. And then, oh, that was going to take us on to point three. So I'd create that um, pop-up email capture with a quiz. The reason I do it as a quiz is two reasons. One, we need the insight that the answers to that quiz will give us. So If we say, are you a firefighter? Are you a film crew? Are you, gosh, this is going to be, are you a rock climber? I don't know. Three terrible guesses probably. Um, And everyone who comes through as a rock climber, we know that we need to tailor the rest of our content in the future to that rock climbing niche because they're the ones who are the most interested. So we need that insight. That's going to benefit us in improving this funnel. Secondly, this is a high consideration purchase. So if we can capture their data then we can sell to them via the follow-up sequence. So the process of them asking questions is going to make them more involved in the buying process. And then it's going to give us, because they've given us their email address, the ability to explain more to them after they've left the website to get them to come back and buy again. So number three would be create that email welcome campaign to drive the sale. So that's going to be a series of emails outlining the features, the benefits, including some user gen- some UGC, some reviews, including the founder story, the why, to connect with them, to get them to understand this is going to really benefit them and to encourage them and get them to the point where they are ready to commit and buy the product. I would try to avoid discounts if you can, but I saw on your site, there's quite a lot of peripheral items. So maybe offer a bundle discount. So if you find the people coming through are firefighters and some of them are uh, rock climbers, then maybe you have the perfect bundle for rock climbers. And you also have a public servant discount for those who work in the fire brigade. I don't know. I'm merely battering around ideas. I'm not saying this is these these ideas are necessarily going to work. You're going to have to try it, test it, create it, etc. Once you've done all that, you're ready to start paying for traffic. Because all those steps so far, they are going to help that traffic convert, which means you'll be wasting less of your your ad budget. So Step number four, start testing on the ad platforms. I would use ad platforms. I wouldn't use organic social or anything else at this point because you need traffic fast to learn. Until you've learned more about who actually wants the product, then you are not going to be in a position to be investing in the the softer, better ROI marketing channels. On Google ads, I do some very, very focused keywords, not a lot, just to make sure you are getting the people who are looking for a product like yours to your website. And then on Facebook ads, I would probably start by having an explainer video, which goes through the pain point, takes them to the solution with a little bit of UGC thrown in there, put that out to a big audience, capture the people who um, watch that, and then put in front of them more sales focused ads to get the conversions. So there you go. That's a fast run through. That's what I do. Calls to actions. Um, We have covered quizzes and welcome campaigns a lot this year. Big, big topic in the industry at the moment. So see our recent email marketing masterclass for more on those. Facebook ads coming up next month. And you also said you wanted a blow by blow of what to do at each stage of the customer journey. The best place to get that is my book. Um, It's called Customer Persuasion uh, by Chloe Thomas. Um, And exactly what it does is take you through each stage of the customer journey from traffic through conversions to repeat purchases and explain all the different things you can do at each of those stages to persuade the customer to move for further through the customer journey. So that's what I would get if you want to really optimize your customer journey from website, from customer services, from uh, a marketing standpoint, it's all in there.
Um, and that's available on Amazon as an ebook, paperback, and audiobook. So it's called Customer Persuasion. It's by me, Chloe Thomas. Oh, we've only got to question five. Okay, this is definitely going to be a long episode, but trust me, guys, it's worth it. You're going to like this. I will make sure we include the timestamps of the different questions so you can jump around in the episode if you want to. Okay, although I highly recommend you listen to it all, obviously. Uh, right. Uh, the next question is from Rebecca from Cream Cornwall, which is a homewares brand. Um, Rebecca would love to know more about promoting their website in the EU and the USA. She can see there are visitors from those countries and would like to convert them into sales without spending loads of money using Facebook ads, etc. So first off, the question I would ask any business thinking about this is, are you ready to encourage overseas orders? Wherever, whichever country you are in the world, this, stand, this goes for you. Is your shipping in place? Have you got good couriers who will track the orders, make sure it gets to the right person at a reasonable cost for you and at a reasonable speed? And have you got that set up on the website so it's easy to understand and select for those customers? Are you ready for taxes? As things cross borders, there's often taxes to pay. You really don't want your customers being unable to get your products until they've paid a hefty fee. And there's ways of doing that so as you pay the fee rather than the customer, but can you afford to do that? Currency and payment methods. Obviously, currency changes a lot from country to country. Payment methods change a lot as well. So, have you got the right payments and methods in place for the countries you intend on targeting? And does your website work in different currencies? Unless it does that, I certainly wouldn't be spending much money on advertising in other countries if the currency wasn't working. Languages, not so much of an issue for the UK, the USA, Australia, um, South Africa. A lot of Europeans speak English, so you can do some level of European sales in English. But if you really want to drive sales in a, in a country, you really do need to have their local language. And then the other question about are you ready is, you know, there's data coming in. Are any of them actually converting? And if they are, I would um, reach out to them and ask them why it is they chose to buy from you. It may be that they're expats buying things to send to people within your country. Um, if 80% of them are that, then that's a very, very different marketing strategy to grow sales from another country than if they're having it shipped to themselves. So if you've got some of them buying, go and find out why they've chosen to buy from you, not from anyone else. Secondly, once you've worked out if you are actually ready, um, the easiest way to expand overseas is with marketplaces, certainly to test and find out if there is appetite for your product in other territories. Um, eBay, Amazon, Frugo, it, Etsy even, um, all of these are great cross-border opportunities for testing out via marketplaces overseas areas. Uh, you can also find territory specific marketplaces to sell on as well. And of course, that makes a lot of it handles an awful lot of this for you. Exactly what they handle will depend from platform to platform. So have a look at those. And if you want to go down that route, find the option that works for you. Own site. Now, if you're going to do this by your own site, are you really sure you want to? Growing sales overseas via your own site is a big project. You are essentially starting another business or a bit like opening a shop in another town, if you like. You, it's going to take money and time and focus to grow those sales. So are you ready to do that? Do you need to do that? Is it going to be worth your time? And FYI, the marketplaces option is going to take some time and focus as well, even though it's not going to take necessarily take quite so much money. Then if you are sure you want to do it, then what are you actually going to do? Well, I'd start off, if you don't have like tens of thousands to invest in an overseas expansion strategy, I would start off with some basic remarketing to the people from the other countries who are visiting your website. So some Facebook ads to those audiences, some Google ads, or maybe some RLSA on Google ads to those audiences. See if you can get those people who've already come to your site once to come back and actually buy. That will give you a really good indication of whether it's, it's, it's a strategy with potential. Then try your best ad campaigns in those regions more generally. So you might do this alongside the basic remarketing piece. And FYI, in the US, don't go whole of US. Do state by state if you don't want to lose all your budget very, very quickly. And in the EU, go country by country. 
the countries are very, very different in the EU, even more different than the different states are in the US. So make sure you split down those territories. And then speak to a specialist on marketing into that country if it's working. If those tests are working, then if you want to take it up a level, then it's time to speak to someone who really understands growth in those markets that are working for you. Now, we don't specifically cover growing internationally on this podcast, but we did do a Marketplaces Masterclass um, that you can listen to for more on that topic. Okay, question six. This is from Byron from Glimmerwish. And Byron asks, do you have a list of recommended agencies? No, Byron, I don't, nor will I probably ever have one. Um, Why don't I? Well, because the perfect agency for you is going to be an awful agency for someone else. I thoroughly approve of outsourcing projects, channels, etc. to agencies, freelancers, whatever you want to call them when it's right for your business. But like I said, there isn't one that's going to be perfect for everybody. The right time for doing it is when the knowledge or economies of scale, when, sorry, when the knowledge economies of scale will benefit you. So that's when sending it to someone who spends all day, day in, day out working on that platform, working on that thing is going to help you, which means they should be able to get much better results than you can. When your time is better spent on something else and when, quite frankly, you just hate doing that task and... I wince when I hear someone saying don't use agencies because it's just not that simple. Most of the time when I hear of someone who's falling out with their agency, it's because, being brutally honest, they made a bad decision on which agency to work with in the first place. Either because they didn't do their due diligence, that's probably about 50% of the time, 50% of the time because they just got unlucky. You've got to find the right fit. You've got to put in the work to find an agency that suits you and your business. The way they work, the size of the clients they work well with, the product type, sector, region they focus on, whether you like them or not, it's incredibly important. And the budget that they work with. You don't want to be their biggest client. You also don't want to be their smallest either. And if anyone ever wants me to put a post on LinkedIn for them asking for agencies that can do X, I am happy to do it without naming you. And I will deal with all the annoying, irrelevant messages in return for the huge bump in visibility it will give me. So just get in contact if you want me to do one of those posts for you. Question seven. Right, let's get more strategic. This question was asked by both Aubrey from Clavio, recent guest on our sister show, E-Commerce Masterplan, and Thomas from Meta, as in Facebook. So people at Clavio and Meta want to know about this. So get ready. This is one question you definitely need the answer to. So I've combined Aubrey and Thomas's similar questions into this one. What are the top four things e-commerce brands should adjust in their marketing strategies to survive and remain throughout the current economic issues we're facing? If you're not sure what those economic issues are, consumers have less money because of increasing inflation. Your costs are going up because of increasing inflation and all the supply chain issues we've had. And competition is on the rise which we've already covered, is increasing um, faster than normal, the ad cost on Facebook and Google, et cetera, et cetera. I've been talking about this a lot recently. Basically, whenever whenever anyone will let me on my own podcasts, on other people's podcasts, on stages, at events, in conversation, you wouldn't believe the people I've been talking to about this. So I am really pleased that um, Aubrey and Thomas asked this question because it means I get to give all of you my answer to it. So number one, messaging. I would be keeping a very, very close eye on our messaging. What should that number one phrase be in our ads, our emails and our homepage? Do we stick to our normal brand focus? Do we take a different slant on our brand focus? Do we go to problem solving? Um, Or do we need to change it to something about money saving, value for money, those kind of areas? Keeping a really close eye on that, probably running some tests, seeing what's resonating, see how consumer mood, the mood of our customers is changing. I'd also be keeping a very close eye on our paid marketing channels to tweak creative, change targeting and move budgets around as the performance changes. At times like this, things are going to change fairly frequently and there is nothing more galling 
than realizing if you turned something off a week earlier, you'd have saved a thousand pounds. Nothing more galling than that. So keep a very close eye, even closer than normal on those paid marketing channels, the channels which spend your money, whether you're looking at them or not, because you can quite easily catch a problem if you're not looking at those. Tip number three, get the basics right. Double check everything on the website is accurate. Double check all your automated comms are accurate. That's your welcome campaigns, your post-purchase campaigns, et cetera, et cetera. Double check your customer services team are set up to be awesome. Do they understand the latest products, the latest marketing campaigns you're running? And build that welcome campaign you've been meaning to build for the last year. Now is the time to do it. You want these basics in place to maximise your chance of getting that conversion when someone comes to your website. You want the process, the sales process on your site and in your business to be like a slippery slide. It's impossible for the customer to get off. Now, that also means what you're going to want to do is up your storytelling, your user-generated content, the way, the emotional and empathetic ways in which you're connecting with your customers. Then, also in terms of getting the basics right, go through your costs. Is there anything you can cut back on? Anything you can squeeze? And I bet there are some subscriptions you do not need right now that you could go and cancel or pause or do something to just to save that bit of cash. Because as we go through the year, that is going to become all important. Number four, invest in the marketing methods that will bring us the best possible customers at the best possible costs. This might mean that, in fact, it almost certainly means you need to look a bit wider and put in a little bit more legwork than simply spending money on the ad platforms. So I'm talking things like partnerships, be it with affiliates, be it with press, be it with other retailers, if you can get marketing in front of a group of people who already trust the person who's putting your message in front of them, you will find some brilliant, brilliant customers when those values are aligned. Um, Retention, up your retention marketing activity, improve community marketing, improve PR. These softer methods are worth their weight in gold at times like this. We discussed a lot of this in our recent virtual summit and free replay tickets are available right now. Um, That's at summit.ecommercemasterplan.com. And I had a really interesting discussion about this with Helen Rankin from Cheeky Wipes on the e-commerce master plan podcast. And that is going live next week. She was talking about how despite the fact they are a heavy sustainability brand, they are tweaking all, or they're about to be tweaking all their messaging over to the money saving element of it, because that's what's starting to resonate more with their customers. Okay. It's time in this epic, epic episode to pause for a reminder of our lovely sponsors, Clavio. After the ad break, I'll be answering the last two questions, my predictions for Q4 and the sustainability one. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS platform built just for e-commerce brands. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online online store and tech stack. Request a demo at clavio.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, just two questions left and they are awesome ones. Question number eight. This is from Becky Hopkin, who's a Keep Optimizing podcast regular guest sharing her Google ads advice. And um, she's from Digital Gearbox. Becky has very cheekily asked me one of the questions I usually ask my guests. So I kind of had to include it. And it is a good question too. She says, crystal ball time. What are your predictions for e-commerce performance in Q4 this year when compared with the last two years? Well, first off, there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge before we get to Q4. So I'm going to be a bit bullet pointy here. I'm going to give you some things I think you need to do to be ready for this Q4. 
First off, it's going to be hard work. So make sure you have a holiday before we get into it, because you're going to need that energy boost a holiday gives you. You're going to need that clear brain you get after a week off. You're going to need to give it all you've got. So make sure you've got a one or two week holiday booked in the diary for before Christmas really gets going. Black Friday. I think we're going to see a lot more brands opting out of Black Friday, despite the economic pressures. Probably even because of them, because it's a it's a great way to give away a load of margin, a load of your profit without really meaning to. Uh, Christmas Day is on a Sunday, which is good because it means you can take orders for longer. It pushes that last order date really late. But that means customers are probably going to delay spending even longer than they have been recently. So it's going to be a hard one to predict on your stock levels and all of that. Um, be ready to flex your ad spend around. One, because as I've already, as I said in my aunt, my question before the ad break, things are changing very fast. So you need to be ready to make changes quickly. And as we go further into peak, you're going to be spending more per week. Therefore, the chances of missing, the costs of missing something for a few days go up because you're spending more per day. Secondly, the noises out of Facebook and Meta suggest they have some interesting fixes in the pipeline to make the platform more effective again. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, and then on Google, they're getting close to killing cookies on their own platform. So things are changing on the Google platform as they start bringing stuff in to mitigate that and so forth as well. So they're both changeable spaces at the moment. So you've got to be ready to flex. And if you don't yet have your Google Analytics 4 tagging co-installed alongside your current Google tagging, do it now so you've got that data to look back on in the future for year-on-year comparisons, et cetera, et cetera. Be ready to flex all your marketing, to be honest, because it's going to be it's going to be a year when you want to know, right, we need another 10% in sales. What are we going to do? We need to cut back X. How are we going to do that? So you need to be ready with your backup plans so you don't just end up giving your margin away by urgent discounting. Okay. None of us should need to do urgent discounting. Be cleverer than that. Set yourself up to be cleverer than that. On the marketing front, of all of this. Um, at the start of the year, I outlined the five things you need to do to maximise your success in 2022. Now, obviously, we didn't know how much the economy was going to tank at that point, but I stand by those five. I very recently reviewed them. So I highly recommend going and watching that session where my recommendations were, number one, zero party data. So quizzes, welcome campaigns. Number two, great customer experience wherever the customer is. Number three, partnerships and trust based marketing. Number four, creative is everything plus a side of movement marketing. And number five, net zero. You can go and watch that for free. You don't even need to give me your email address and we'll put the link to that video replay in the show notes. Okay. So if you want more on any of those, more on what you need to be focusing on for Q4, there's a lovely video you can go and watch. Plus, oh yes, I should tell you this too. In August, here on the Keep Optimizing podcast, we're going to bring you a Q4 masterclass. So because it's going to be quite interesting this year, we're setting, we're sending August over to cover the key things you need to know going into Q4. I don't yet know what that lineup's going to look like because I'm leaving it as late as possible to book it. I bet there'll be one on Google ads. I'll bet there'll be one on Facebook ads, possibly one on TikTok haven't yet decided. If there's something you want in it, let me know. But make sure you are on our email list, you're subscribed to us on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss that because it's going to be, I think, critical, a game changer for your Q4 performance. We've made it. We made it to question nine, the last question. And I've saved until last the one that is closest to my heart. So thank you, Nishay Aaron, for asking this. He says, how can brands become really sustainable not just claiming to be sustainable. It's a big question. I mean, no one truly knows what sustainability is, which is kind of like your first hurdle to overcome, but it's one you do really need to be considering this year. While sustainability isn't really a USP anymore, it is an increasingly important hygiene factor, which means just like you need to have a free delivery option to keep the customer buying, you also need to be clear on your sustainability credentials and make it easy for the customer to find them. So how do you become, in Nishay's terms, really sustainable? 
First off, be transparent. Be clear on what you've done, what you're good, what you're going to do and what you are bad at and share it. Okay? Be clear on it and be open to your customers. Be honest. No one knows what sustainability really means. No business is perfect. But if you're not being clear and transparent on what you have done, where you're good, where you're bad, then you're not going to going to connect with the customers. They're not going to believe you and they're not eventually going to buy from you. What that means is have a page on the website explaining what you've done, what you're planning on doing. You can see ours if you go to the website and click on the net zero tab. Um, secondly, share your journey with your customers. As you improve things, update them on it. Tell them what you're doing. It's a great way of sharing that journey with them and building a greater connection with them. Define what sustainability means for your business as well. Really clear to get on what you actually, what you mean when you're talking about it. So for example, my business here, we are very focused on net zero above all the others, partly because it's the one the planet most needs us to do. I think it's the most urgent one and partly because it's something you can technically calculate. Although we're not calculating it yet, but you have to go and read my net zero page to find out why because it's not really relevant to this episode. Uh, We must be getting towards the end. My mind is heading off in other directions. Okay, number two then. The first thing I would tackle within your business to make you more sustainable is head office. It's the easiest one to do. It's more ring fence. It's generally more straightforward. Generally, the stuff you do in head office actually gives you a cost saving as well, which is great for this current scenario that we're in um, economically. So set a travel policy. Ideally, you're going to stop flying. Ideally, you are going to focus on, um, uh, what's the word for it? Focus on public transport. Ideally, you are going to incentivize your team to, uh, to commute not by car, be it by bike, be it by public transport or something else. Allow them to work from home a couple of days a week. That has a big impact. Secondly, reduce the waste that you create in the business. Disposable cups, water bottles, the right light bulbs, paper. How much paper do you use when you're printing? So many ways around the business you can reduce waste. Thirdly, become a carbon neutral workforce. See ecology for this one. We've done this. Um, And then change your suppliers or tell your suppliers you want them to become more sustainable. So work out who you're currently buying from, who is supporting you and drop drop them an email. Say, are you sustainable? How are you against this? This is what we think sustainability is. How are you against that? And that will give you an idea of who you may want to change. Some of them may be easy changes, maybe obvious changes. Some of them may be well, it's going to be a nightmare changing that. So we'll stick with it for the time being. As you make each of those changes, update your customer base, tell them what you're up to. Next piece then is packaging. So once you've done the head office bits, then I would start looking at packaging because it's probably the easiest one to tackle next. and It's really visible and customers really care about it. So you're going to get the biggest impact from it. Um, Look at how you can remove the plastic, look at how you can use less and so forth. Then tell your customers about your progress. And if you haven't been able to remove all the plastic, explain to them why. Then um, go on to look at your product. Now, this may seem like an absolute nightmare to tackle, but step one, go to the Dayrise website, Dayrise with a Z, and pay them to audit your products. It's only $60, £60, €60 per product per year to get the audit done. They will give you a sustainability score you can use across your website and in your marketing. And they will also give you a report to tell you the quick ways and the more complicated ways as well of how to make your product better. It's a no-brainer go and do it. Even if you can only afford to do it for your top five bestsellers, go and do it on those and you can make a big step change in your sales process, in your products. Hopefully it will improve your sales and it will also help you work out how to make those products more sustainable. Then, you probably guessed this one already, tell your customers about your progress. Finally, and this is like mega gold stars if you get this far, I would reckon it would take you most of the year to get to where we've got got to at this point. If you want massive gold stars, start considering what happens to your products post-purchase. What do your customers do with them? Do they wear it once, then put it in the bin? That's not good. So can you encourage them to repair, to recycle, to secondhand sell it, to swap it with someone? There are a whole load of really cool ways to do this. We've been showcasing a lot of them over on e-commerce master plan. Um, but 
That's the next step. What happens to your products after the customer has purchased them? And then, you guessed it, tell your customers about your progress. Remember, it's a journey. No one at all is perfect yet on this. And also remember, it's really important to educate your customers that they need to be making better buying decisions. And the more we all talk about it, the more they will start going, oh yeah, maybe, maybe I should stop flying too. We are doing a lot to help you do all this um, across everything I'm up to at the moment, um, but mainly at the moment via uh, our sister podcast, E-Commerce Master Plan, where I'm interviewing brand owners about how they are doing it. So people just like you, how they're going about this and sharing advice and tips and new tools to make it easier for you to do it as well. Um, I suggest you get started with these two episodes on the e-commerce master plan podcast if you want to get more into this and you do want to get more into this. The first one is episode 379, where I shared 10 simple ways to make your e-commerce brand more sustainable. And then for a bit of inspiration, um, my favorite case study, my kind of hero brand for this stuff is Grove Collaborative. And I chatted with the amazing Jenny Perry from Grove Collaborative in episode 377. So those are the two best ways to get started in getting your head in all this, get super inspired, get super excited. Well, thank you to everyone who sent in their questions. If yours wasn't included in this episode, I will be getting back to you personally with an answer if I haven't already. If you're wondering why you didn't hear about getting to ask your question, well, you needed to be on our email list or following me on LinkedIn because that's where we went or I went to gather these questions. So make sure you're doing those two things. Um, So next time I do this, you're in the list. And I suspect given the amount of response we had, I suspect I will be doing this again. Um, so you, thank you for listening right to the end. I've got a few things to tell you now to help you make the most of this episode and share a little bit about what's coming up on Keep Optimising in the very near future. So you can get links to all the many, many extra resources I've mentioned, the full transcript of this episode. Yes, every single word I said, our keynotes to it. So we've done a condensed version too and more at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z. And to celebrate episode 100, we now have a new special direct to episode link set up. So if you just put keepopt.com, so that's K-E-E-P-O-P-T, so just the very beginning of our name, .com forward slash episode number into the URL bar, you will be directed straight to the correct page on the website. So for this episode, if you go to keepopt.com forward slash 100, you will go straight to that page with all the resources, all the notes, even the transcript for this very episode. And yeah, we've set it up for every single episode of the show too. Now, once you get to the website, you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on the next chance to ask your question or any of the many other things I share to help you improve your business. I hope this episode has helped you with your 2022 e-commerce marketing strategy. You're going to find lots more advice for all the key e-commerce marketing methods on this podcast. Just scroll through the episode list on your podcast player or head to keepoptimizing.com to find out more. And make sure you tune in next Wednesday when we're going to start our next month-long masterclass series. It's the big one, the one you've all been waiting for. Yes, five episodes on the latest and best strategies you should be using on Facebook ads. I gave that a big build up, but of course you already know because I mentioned it several times in the episode, but hey, I like the big build up. Now, to make sure you don't miss out on that, make sure you're subscribed to us uh, via email and that you're following us on your favourite podcast player. And if you know someone who really wants to up their Facebook ads game at the moment, please let them know we're covering it because the show exists to help you and to help them improve their marketing. Have a brilliant week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimising your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.